0: from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: Do judges ever look at that as, man, these NFL owners, these are just the boy who cried wolf.
0: Well, you know, judges are objective, and of course the fact that they have come many times before only indicates that writs are very difficult to get. Even adverse publicity will not alone call for change of venue. Actual prejudice must be shown. I'm sure that if the Court of Appeals denies their petition for writ, they'll take it to the Supreme Court. Hmm.
1: I'm Sarah Fenske. Many legal experts think St. Louis is on the path to a big payday from the Rams and their owner Stan Kroenke. A trio of St. Louis government entities sued Kroenke and the NFL for moving the team to L.A., contrary to league guidelines. They've overcome some major hurdles in that case. Two weeks ago, both the Missouri Appellate Court Eastern District and the Missouri Supreme Court turned down the Rams' request to block St. Louis from getting financial records from league owners. And the circuit court denied the Rams' motion for summary judgment. Those two things made it pretty certain the case was headed for a trial or a settlement. But the Rams and their lawyers aren't giving up. Friday, they filed a writ of prohibition in the same appeals court that rejected them last month. This time, they want the appellate court to grant them a change of venue. And joining us today to explain what that all means is former Judge Booker Shaw. He spent seven years on the Missouri Court of Appeals for the Eastern District, one as its chief judge. He is now a partner at Thompson-Coburn and he joins us today. So Judge Shaw, welcome. Well, thank
0: you, Sarah. Pleasure to be here.
1: So the Rams are asking for a writ of prohibition. I imagine that's a term not all of our listeners know. What exactly does that mean? Well, a writ
0: of prohibition is an extraordinary legal remedy. Sarah, a writ of prohibition prevents a judge from taking specific action that exceeds the court's jurisdiction, is not allowed by law, or where there's an extreme necessity of preventive action. It's uh, called an extraordinary writ for a reason. It's an interlocutory appeal, that is, an appeal that can occur before the ultimate judgment in the case.
1: And so is it harder to get one of these than it would be to say win on appeal after a case has gone to trial?
0: Oh, for sure. As a matter of fact, you know, the law specifically states that a writ is not a substitute for an appeal and will not be issued where there is an adequate remedy on appeal. And we all know, well, the lawyers know, that over 95% of these petitions for writ of prohibition are denied.
1: Wow. So this is like steep odds against the Rams lawyers.
0: Yes. Or it would be against anyone who files a writ of this kind.
1: So what would be a successful writ? What's something where the appeals court would look at this and say, yeah, we might have to grant this one? Yeah, so uh,
0: practically speaking, Speaking, there should be a clear and unequivocal violation of law or an act beyond the judge's authority to act. So a simple easy example would be for instance a California resident who is injured in California by a California company can't bring a lawsuit in the city of St. Louis, right? I mean there's no jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So that's a kind of an extreme example but think of also such things as Uh, A trial court ordering improper discovery of, let's say, privileged conversations, an attorney-client conversation, or attorney work product. Uh, A trial court striking a valid claim. Or, for instance, a trial court adding an unqualified candidate to the ballot or disqualifying. Uh, uh, or removing a qualified candidate from the ballot. Those are the kinds of things that come to mind when you think of a writ being granted.
1: So something where the judge is, it's just clear cut, the judge is wrong.
0: Where, where it's pretty clear on the law. Uh, the difficulty with uh, a writ of this kind is that it's largely based upon the factual findings. And uh, to show that um, jurors in the St. Louis metropolitan area are so biased against the NFL and the Rams. And uh, so, in the thrall of the city, you know that that might be very difficult,
1: okay. So a hard case here to convince these appellate court judges to intervene in this,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, as you know, um, you know, there is uh, an order that basically keeps the pleadings confidential in this case. So we don't know what all they filed, what the uh, defendants filed in support of their writ. Obviously, they had exhibits uh, to support the writ. Um, What will happen sometimes in these cases is that they will have conducted a survey or a poll of citizens in the metropolitan area to show that these people are in favor of the Rams or in favor of the city in their suit against the Rams. But, uh, you know, polls are sometimes incorrect, Mm -hmm. and uh, polls are very different from, um, you know, prospective jurors that might sit in this case, so...
1: So they have to make an argument that St. Louis jurors can't hear this case, that this has to be stopped. And, and as you mentioned, they filed this under seal. We don't know exactly what we have. But something like a survey, this might be something that they would use to make this case. It sounds like you're somewhat skeptical that a survey would be all they would need in order to get this moved out of St. Louis.
0: It, I mean, it, it really would be. I mean, there have been efforts of this kind before in other cases, and it just uh, is very difficult to show this. I mean, the um, precedent here where where courts have considered this question before, and they have on many occasions, Mm -hmm. and uh, the courts have held that uh, pretrial publicity, even adverse publicity, will not alone call for change of venue. Actual prejudice must be shown. And so that is a pretty steep hurdle.
1: It's interesting, these change of venue um, actions, it seems to be something we see a lot in the movies. You know, the trial gets moved out of town, moves to some tiny town somewhere that's far away. Is it something that you see happen commonly um, in real life?
0: No. You know, when um, I was thinking about coming to talk with you about this, I thought, when have we heard of this before where it was actually granted And the only case I can think of here that we know about is that Bomb Rock case out in St. Louis County where the defendant uh, went on a shooting spree in a domestic relations case and actually shot up the courthouse in St. Louis County. Mm. And that was a really extreme kind of case. That is, this defendant shot up the courthouse and the judges who were going to then hear the case. So you can see maybe from a logical perspective that perhaps that has the appearance of being unfair to have this defendant tried in that courthouse. Mm -hmm. But this is not that
1: kind of case. I also find myself wondering about the difference between a criminal case and a civil case when it comes to change of venue. Is there one in the eyes of the law?
0: Well, there are many differences between a criminal case and civil case, and, and of course, due process becomes a much more significant consideration in a criminal case. And so I think that um, judges are going to be much more cognizant of that and much more careful about where they have that trial and the safeguards that are included in that trial.
1: So Judge Christopher McGraw, he's the St. Louis Circuit Court judge on this case. He had an interesting observation related to this change of venue you were telling me about when we were talking just before the show.
0: Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's one of the things that the court is looking at is that, uh, you know, as Judge McGraw pointed out, uh, the pleadings in this case somewhat contradict uh, what the uh, defendants are claiming. That is, um, originally they claimed that the citizens of St. Louis were very happy for the Rams to go, didn't support the team or any of that. And now they seem to be taking a different position in that the citizens want the team here and are damaged by the team. and and uh, and so therefore, uh, they're in favor of the city of St. Louis and in favor of this lawsuit. And it's just uh, going to be a very difficult hurdle for them to overcome. Hmm.
1: So they previously went to this same appellate court trying to get rid of prohibition. This was related to their financial records. And I'm wondering how the judges who have to deal with these kind of extraordinary requests, if they see somebody coming in too many times saying, I need this extraordinary help, I need this now, do judges ever look at that as, man, these NFL owners, these are just the boy who cried wolf.
0: Well, you know, judges are objective and, of course, the fact that they have come many times before only indicates that writs are very difficult to get. Uh, but uh, A if, judge
1: won't judge them for the fact that they've previously tried this? Well, you
0: know, judges, judges are smart and objective, uh, but uh, they're human as well, and you hate to keep going back again and again for fear of that. But yet, uh, if they have the facts and law supporting the issuance of a writ, the judges are not going to be deterred by the fact that they filed writs before that were denied.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. But you are saying, you know, you you see this as somewhat of an uphill battle. The last time they appealed, the fact they didn't get the writ to the Missouri Supreme Court, if they get denied here, would you advise to them, yeah, try your luck, go back to the Missouri Supreme Court?
0: Well, you know... Uh, there's no harm in it, and and, and of course, uh, once you've gone this far, and it, it's denied, it's it's natural to go to the next step because it won't take that much work to have the court of I mean the Supreme Court take a look at it. So I'm sure that if the Court of Appeals denies their petition for writ oh, they'll take it to the Supreme Court. <laughs> so we're
1: going to see another step in this. Here's what I find myself wondering. We talked about this last week on our legal roundtable. And at the time, the expert lawyers we talked to were like, yep, this is the end of the road. The Rams are going to have to settle or they go to trial. And now this comes out of nowhere. They've they've filed this other writ of prohibition. Do you think there could be more writs of prohibition in our, our future here, more appeals, different issues, where they're going to try to get out of bringing this thing to trial?
0: Oh, well, inevitably... I I think they would be. I mean, for instance, um, I think one of the things that uh, occurred to me is that in the course of making their claim that there should be a change of venue here, well, you know, they've got to show that the potential jurors have such fixed opinions that they could not be impartial. Mm -hmm. So it could very well be that once they get involved in jury selection, for instance, Uh, that uh, they get such responses from potential jurors that they think now, okay, we have a much more substantial basis to make the claim that it should be a change of venue.
1: So we could see them go back even after this trial has begun. Hey, this trial has to be moved. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. And I anticipate, too, that there will be a number of legal issues that Judge McGraw will need to decide in the few weeks leading up to trial. Typically, the trial judge will schedule at least a week or so before the trial begins to deal with pretrial motions, uh, touching on a number of legal issues. It may very well be that uh, if the defendants are dissatisfied with some of the judge's rulings, uh, that they will take those up on writs. So, so yeah. they're
1: going to keep uh, your, your former peers at the Missouri Appellate Court. They could stay busy on this one.
0: I would be surprised if they are done.
1: It's interesting. It seems like with some of these cases, it kind of reminds me of the Eric Greitens case where you have just some of the very best lawyers in town, a whole group of them working on these cases. And it seems like any time you get this many really good lawyers, man, there are a lot of procedural things that go on that don't seem to happen in your average run-of-the-mill case. Uh, is this something you bring in the best and the brightest? Man, they are going to throw everything at the wall here.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, these I know all of the, lo- the local lawyers involved, and they're all brilliant lawyers. So you would expect them to um, exercise every potential remedy they think they have available to them, so.
1: So we should not start counting our money yet on this settlement.
0: Well, no, no, no. And, and who knows if it, if it will settle or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've seen the you know, uh, commentators saying that, well, they, they're gonna have to settle this thing, but maybe they won't. I mean, maybe it'll go all the way and then uh, they'll take their chances on appeal, whoever is dissatisfied.
1: Boy, well, this remains such an interesting case. And uh, former appellate court judge Booker Shaw, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and giving us the insight into what's happening now. My
0: pleasure. Thank you.
1: Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fensky, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.